Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the Gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. This has been our focal verse throughout this whole series. Because I believe that every chapter relates to this specific verse. That the Gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I tell you, I have really enjoyed going through this series. I am, I am excited about today's message, but I'm also a little sad because it's the end. It's the end of this series. I think if you, if you broke down the whole book of Romans into three points, it would be this. First is understand the Gospel. I believe the first 11 chapters did that. It explained to us the Gospel in detail. It kind of gave us an overview in the first four chapters, and from there, it kind of it went deeper into what the Gospel means for each and every one of us. Beginning with chapter 12, I believe it starts telling us how to live the Gospel. Because you see, the Gospel is not just something that we know. It's not just something we believe in. It's something that we live out. It's something that changes our lives. But I believe the last thing that it tells us, and we're going to address this in our, in our message today, is to share the Gospel. Is to let other people know about this power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. We understand the Gospel, we live the Gospel, and we share the Gospel. If we, if we were doing a three-point message on the whole book of Romans, that would be it. That's not what we're doing here today. But if we were, that would be it. With those three, uh, the, those three uh, points. But we are going to look at these two last chapters, which I, bring, I believe brings everything together. I believe Paul did a great job of bringing everything together, everything that we have looked at so far over the past seven weeks into this eighth week of just, just bringing everything together and, and summing it up. And as we look at this, I, I think those first three verses in chapter 15, it, it, it has to, we have to look at the rest of this through this filter. Romans 15, 1 through 3 says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbor as their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, as it is written. The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Alright, I'm going to put these, these three verses in a short, single sentence. This is it. You ready? It's not about you. It's not about you. And it's not about me. Okay? When we talk about the power of, God, of the Gospel, it's not about you. It's about God. And what He could do in us and through us. <laughs> When we live out the Gospel, guess what? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God and what He can do. When we share the Gospel, it's not about you. It's not about me. Because guess what? When we share the Gospel, and I make it about me, what happens when people say no? I take it personally, don't I? Like, why do I even do this? Nobody listens to it anyways. They think it's crazy. And if somebody says yes, what do we do? Wow, I'm getting good at this. I'm effective now. I need to teach a seminar on how to share the gospel. You know, it's just, 
Whether we fail or whether we succeed, if we make it about us, the focus is all wrong. It's all about God and what He wants to do in those people. And what He wants to do in us. Yeah, just don't make Him mad. <laughs> Jeff get him. <laughs> so it's all about God and it's not about us as individuals. And guess what? Even, even if somebody puts you down, you share the Gospel, somebody puts you down, they laugh about you, they, they make fun of you, they may even want to fight you, they may want to punch you. Guess what? It's not about you. It's not about you. But look what it said in that last sentence. The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Even when they insult you, it's not about you. It's about God. <laughs> so whether everything goes great or everything goes horrible, you don't have to worry about it. Because it's not about you, right? It's all about God. <laughs> and we need to keep that in mind as we go through um, these things here today. We're going to be looking at, and I believe we see this throughout this letter, but especially in these last two chap chapters, it's five ways to grow a church. Okay? And the first way is to get rid of all the bees. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Don't write that one down. <laughs> five ways to grow a church. And listen, I'm not talking about five separate ways. It's like, oh, this is one way to grow a church. But if you don't like that, here's another way to grow a church. I'm talking about all five of these ways working together to grow a church. And the first one is, is to grow warmer through fellowship. To grow warmer through fellowship. You see, it's those relationships we have with each other. You can't grow a church if you don't have tight nips relate tight relationships within the church. People that you can count on. Whether you're celebrating or whether you're heartbroken. Either way, you've got people, when you're celebrating, like, oh, i got to call so-and-so. You can call, and you celebrate, you go over to the house, or you whatever, you invite them over to your house, whatever. Same thing when, when our heart's breaking. It's like, I need to call them, or invite them over, or go over to their house, or, or whatever. It's, it's that relationship we build with each other. We strengthen each other in that. <laughs> and I think we find that here in Romans chapter 15. In verses 5 and 6, it says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is that? It's unity. It's coming together. We, we, we come together. We move in the same direction. We bring all of our differences. It doesn't mean that all of us are the same. We couldn't achieve that even if we wanted to. Right? We're all different. In some cases, we're extremely different. I mean, look at me. <laughs> I'm very different, right? I think I, I don't know if I told this, this group or the early group a few weeks ago. I said, I'm not like most preachers. Right? And... Just to be transparent, other preachers have asked me to tell you that. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I 
But we're all different, and we need to be different. We need to think different and look at things differently and respond to things differently. But we need to bring all those differences together and work together as a, as a common body, as one body moving in the same direction. That's what this warmer through fellowship thing is. And as you read throughout the Scripture, as you read throughout Romans, unity is an extremely important aspect of what is taught in the Scriptures. You see in John chapter 17 where Jesus prayed adamantly for the unity of the church to remain after He was to ascend into heaven. Look at what Paul writes in verses 17 and 18 of chapter 16. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause division and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. God does not look favorably on people that create division. I don't know if you've been a part of churches where you've seen that or not, but it can. I, I believe when there's division within the church that it rips apart the heart of Jesus. Again, it doesn't mean we're not going to think differently. We need to think differently. But we bring those differences together and work together in a common direction. I need you to think differently than me. I don't have all the answers. I need you to think different than me. If everybody thought like me, man, we would be in a mess. Right? I've said it before, if there's two people just alike, one of you's a waste. We need to be different. But we bring those differences together in unity. We don't use them to fight with each other. Where do we see, do we see this in other places in the book of Romans? I, I believe so. In Romans chapter 12, verse 5. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. It's this unity factor. And if you're going to grow a church, you've got to grow warmer through fellowship. Second way to grow a church is to grow deeper through discipleship. It's learning and growing. It's getting into the Word of God and getting an understanding of that. In Romans 15.4, it says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. You see, we help each other have hope when we learn from each other. The Scripture helps us to have hope when we learn from it. It gives us endurance. It gives us encouragement. It helps us to be able to press on in the midst of the pain and the agony and the sorrow that we go through. And it's digging deeper into that discipleship. It's not just about, hey, you know, I believe in Jesus now. I'm going to heaven. Let me go about my day. It's about growing in that relationship. What happens to a marriage if it's all about the wedding? Okay? I mean, you plan for the wedding, you spend big money on the wedding, you invite tons of people for the wedding, you have the best wedding cake, you have the best wedding reception, you have the best DJ and the music and all this stuff. It's all about the wedding. And then after the wedding, you don't even think about the marriage. What happens to the marriage? 
it falls apart. Falls apart. It's the same way in our in our Christian faith. If it's if it's all just about the decision, hey, I'm making, I'm inviting all my friends to the baptism, and and we're doing, and then and then you just go about your day. You've missed the point. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I love weddings. Okay, I love the celebration and 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 the cake and and the dancing and the DJs and the music and the food and, and it's a wonderful celebration. But it's not the marriage. It's just the opening ceremony. The same way when we come to Jesus. When we make that decision to follow Jesus, we're baptized into His name. Listen, that's wonderful. I love that. I love watching these videos, man. It just puts a smile on my face, and it gives. I, I love what she said there. She said that she was uh, she was shaking with happiness. Isn't that great? That that ought to become a new uh, like phrase for us here at Glen Cove Christian Church. How's your day? Oh, it's good. I'm shaking with happiness. You know, whenever you. <laughs> awesome i love that listen but that's just the beginning it's just the beginning there's a journey ahead for autumn there's a journey ahead for all of us there's that space between us coming to jesus and us going to jesus if you know what i mean there's that space in between where we're growing deeper in our relationship with jesus we got to grow deeper through that discipleship. In Romans 15, 14, it says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. <laughs> instruct one another. Don't get all your instruction just from me and Joe. Don't. I, and we've encouraged it ever since we've been here and, and probably before we got here. Get, a, get into a small group. Become a part of a small group here. We have different ones that meet on different times. And then guess what? If, if something doesn't work for you, let us know. And we'll, we'll start a group at a time that works for you. Okay? You get inspiration here on Sunday morning. But transformation takes place in our small groups. <laughs> You've got more time to dig deeper. You're able to have conversations with one another. You're able to instruct one another. Right? I mean, on Sunday morning, we get here and, and either Joe or I, we do all the talking. You know? Which is, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. We need this too. But they work together. It's not an either-or thing. What we do on Sunday morning complements what we do with small groups. They complement each other. But in small groups, you're able to have to do some discussion. What do we do in that discussion? We're instructing each other. Yeah. Oh, good point. Good point. Good point, Mr. Text Evangelist right here in the in the front row. And if you're not on that loop, you should be. Um our our brother Antonio here gives a lot of encouragement through his text that he does on a regular basis. And you know what he's doing in that among other things? He's instructing us. Antonio, I need your instruction. Just as much as you need mine. And others of you. I need your instruction. And you know what? We may come to a point where we disagree on something. That's when we need each other's instruction the most, right? I want to hear you and you hear me. And who knows? We might come to a third alternative that neither one of us held to begin with. 
But it's all that process of instructing one another. And if we think we have all the answers, then we close our minds to being instructed by others. Where do we see this in other places of Romans? Well, again, in Romans chapter 12, uh, this time in verse 2, it says, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How are we transformed by the renewing of our mind? By the Bible. By what God tells us in His Word. <laughs> then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Guys, I encourage you, whether you have a, a, a rigid plan where you read every day or you're just like, hey, I'm going to pick up my Bible and, and read a little bit today. What if, whatever works best for you, I just encourage you to read your Bible every day. doesn't necessarily have to be a lot, but just get in it. Let God speak to you through His Word because it will renew your mind and that's how we grow deeper through discipleship. Third way to grow a church is to grow stronger through worship. To grow stronger through our worship. Because again, it's not about us, right? It's about giving praise and honor and glory to God. That's what our worship is. We honor Him. We glorify Him. We express to Him how much we love Him. And I believe that we, um, that we see that. Here in these last two chapters. One of us in, in, in Romans chapter 15, verses 7 through 11. It says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. You see, a lot of these overlap. Just having unity is worshiping God, right? Accept one another in order to glorify God and bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God in His mercy. You see, the, you see both the work of the Jews and the Gentiles there in praising God. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Because you know, remember, this letter, part of this letter is bringing unity back to the Jews and the Gentiles there in Rome. The Jews had left for a while. When they came back, they didn't recognize their church because it had taken on this Gentile flavor that kind of freaked them out, to be honest with you. They're like, what's going on here? This is not the church of, you know, yesteryear. Kind of reminds you of worship wars we used to have back in the 90s between contemporary and, and traditional music. You know, what happened? Who changed my church? It had changed. And so part of what Paul was doing was bringing unity back to the Gentiles and the Jewish people here. And he goes on. Again, it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with His people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol Him. All of us coming together. The Jews, the Gentiles, the men, the women, the rich, the poor. All of us coming together to praise God with one voice. Because we grow stronger through that. We're relying on the power of God rather than our own power. And we grow stronger through that worship. Do we see this in other places in, in Romans? Um, yeah. Uh, Romans 12. I don't know if you realize this or not, but Romans 12 is probably my favorite chapter in this book. But um, 
Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, living, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Why? Because this is your true and proper worship. You see, we worship here on Sunday morning by singing songs and praises to God. As we should. But our worship is not limited to that. We worship by the way we treat our neighbors. The way we treat our spouse, or our kids, or parents. The way we treat our friends. The way we treat our enemies. <laughs> All of that is worshiping God. It's in the way that we live our lives. It's putting our focus and attention on God where it belongs. We grow stronger through that. Fourth way to grow a church is to grow broader through ministry. <laughs> serving other people and serving each other. In those things, we, we expand beyond these walls. Because you realize church is more than just what happens within these walls. Church is what each one of us do outside of these walls. Okay? Listen, our sister Leah back here is always doing things to minister to people. If you're not connected with her on Facebook, you need to, just so you can see all the stuff that she does. Ministering to people and helping people and, 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 and different things and raising up funds for people. You know what? That's not just Leah. That's Glen Cove Christian Church. And that's not just Glen Cove Christian Church. That's God ministering to people. And each thing that each one of us do when we help, we may not even know about it. But it's ministry. It's the church growing broader through that ministry. In Romans chapter 16, I don't know if you've read these chapters ahead of time or not. If you haven't, I would encourage you to go back and read them today. But in chapter 16, Paul just goes through a list of all these people that have served others, that have ministered to people. Some of them have worked with him. Others have worked in, in other situations. He, he kicks it off by talking about this lady named Phoebe who is just this great servant that has done so much good. He talks about partnerships that he's had along the way in the service and ministry that he has done. He even talks about the guy that actually wrote these words down for him because you realize Paul had bad eyesight. And a lot of these letters that he wrote, he did not literally write with his hand. He dictated them. He told them what to write. And Romans is one of those letters. And, and that guy is mentioned in this list. And you know, as I read through that list this week, I thought, you know, we probably got a list. Right? I mean, there's a lot of things that take place here, guys, that we probably take for granted. But if they didn't happen, we would notice. And I'm not going to list names just because I would leave somebody out. There are so many names to mention. But how many have noticed the beautification of the steps coming up to the front door here to the church building? You notice that in the past few weeks? Beautiful, isn't it? That's because of someone that has ministered. How many have noticed what our sign looks like out here? Beautiful, isn't it? You know, six months ago it didn't look like that. You would drive by and go, that's my church. You know, <laughs> but it looks beautiful now. Now you want to bring people in your car, drive by and say, hey, look, that's my church. You know, 
Because when it, we take it for granted, but when it doesn't happen, we notice. And we're like, oh, what's happening? That's because people have ministered. People have stepped up and they say, I want that to be a part of my ministry. <laughs> you know, we have this, uh, this fellowship gathering in the basement. Not, many, not all of you have returned to that, but it's still going on. Just want to remind you of that. But you know what? We couldn't have that. Somebody didn't minister to put that all together, right? Yeah. We have our, our um, elementary age kids and our, and, our, and our nursery kids and stuff like that, things that we have do for them. One of the things that we talked about this, uh, this weekend on our leadership retreat was doing another vacation Bible school. Apparently you, also, you all used to do that here a few years ago. We've talked about maybe doing that again. You know what you, know what you need in order to make that happen? Kids is one. Yeah, absolutely. You need kids, but then you need... You need ministers to be able to minister to those kids. You don't want a VBS where it's just kids and no adults. Okay? That could be a disaster. <laughs> but if you have a VBS where it's all adults and no kids, it's just sad, right? You need both to come together. We need ministers. And we, and we have people that's ministering. Listen, the fact that our, our lights work, this building is standing, and, and all this stuff, that's because someone has ministered, right? And you all know who that is, but he doesn't want his name mentioned, and so we're just going to go right on, okay? But there's all kinds of things that we typically, and, and I'm as guilty as anybody, I just take for granted until it doesn't happen. And you're like, oh, oh, you know, we need to get somebody plugged in there. We've got a whole list of people, probably a bigger list than what Paul had in chapter 16 of Romans of people that minister. And you know what? That causes us to grow broader through that ministry. Each and every one of us plays a part. Do we talk about this in other places in Romans? Yeah, matter of fact, it's in Romans chapter... Exactly. Romans chapter 12, verses um, 6 through 8. It says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is, to, if it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Whatever it is, just do it. How are you gifted? What abilities do you have? Use those to serve God, and that's how the church grows broader through our ministry. All right, the last one is to grow larger through evangelism. Sharing our faith with other people. Romans 15.20, Paul writes these words, It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. You know, guys, we have approximately 13,000 people in Glen Cove who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. Around 13,000 people. Is it our ambition to preach Christ where He is not known? Yes. I hope it is. I hope it is. Not only for our sake and serving God, but especially for that 13,000's sake. Because they need Jesus. Just like you need Jesus and I need Jesus. They need Jesus in their life. Will we reach all of them? Probably not. 
Although never underestimate the power of God. But guess what? If we reach one, would it be worth every dime spent and every effort put forth? Absolutely it would. Absolutely it would. We grow larger through evangelism. And that brings us right back to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the Gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone that believes. And guys, when we do this, and, and like I said before, this is not... We've said five ways a church can grow. What this really comes down to is church health. These are five marks of a healthy church. When we're living up to this, we are a healthy church. And you know what that creates? It creates that hope that God puts in us. Romans 15.13, you heard this during the communion meditation. May the God of hope, you see, He is the God of hope. That's where hope comes from. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. How does He fill us with joy and peace? By trusting in Him. And the more we trust in Him, the more filled we will become. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, He may fill us with joy and peace, but He overflows us with hope. I mean, it's just spilling out all over the place, right? That's what happens when something overflows. You can't contain it. It's just spilling out all over the place. Now, that's a negative thing in the kitchen, right? If something's overflowing, it's not good. Alright? It's a mess. It gets all over everything. But when our hope is overflowing, that's a good thing because we want it to spill out on other people, right? And when we are overflowing with hope, people around us begin to get glimmers of hope as well. And they just might be interested. You know, i got a little taste of what you're experiencing, but you look like you're overflowing. Tell me what's wrong with you. <laughs> right? Perfect door. Perfect door to be able to share. You know, when you share the Gospel, you don't have to beat people over the head with the Bible. You don't have to shove anything down their throats. Most of the time, if we are prayerfully intentional, God will open doors where we can comfortably share the Gospel with people. It's amazing. So what, is, what does all this bring to as we come to, a, come to an end of the book of Romans, these eight weeks that we've spent in here? Well, I believe Romans 16, 19, and 20 bring this out. I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Listen guys, just be wise about what is good. Well, what's good? Well, start with this book and read back through it and it will give you direction and instruction on what is good. And be innocent of evil. Back away from it. Turn away from it. Run away from it. Whatever it takes. And remember, earlier in this book, we talked about do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. You overcome evil with good. Because when you try to overcome evil with evil, nobody wins. You both lose. Because that evil eats us up inside. It doesn't, it doesn't tear down the other person. It tears us down. One person put it this way, resentment is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. It, it rips us apart. 
How do we overcome evil? With good. Now, does that mean that every time we show good when somebody shows evil to us, that they're automatically going to go, oh wow, I get your point. You're right. Yeah, let me, I agree with you now. No. Probably most of the time that won't happen. But sometimes it will. Sometimes it will. It will happen more through re- responding with good toward evil than it will if we react with evil toward evil. That never works out. But even if we respond with good toward evil and it doesn't do anything for the other person, it's what it does for us. Okay? We still come out a winner. We still come out a winner in that. Be wise about what is good and innocent of what is evil. And then I love this this last line here in verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Isn't that awesome? I just love that picture. It's just a visual, right? Somebody needs to do a a meme on that. Crush Satan underneath your... Look at it. God, God includes us in this. It's not like we're, we're, we're standing by watching as God crushes Satan under his feet. He said the God of... And, and notice the irony there. The God of peace will soon crush Satan. I mean, it, just, it seems like an, an oxymoron, doesn't it? Here's the God of peace crushing Satan. You know, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense. But, but, but think about it. Who is the biggest disturber of peace in your life? Satan. Satan. So in crushing Satan, God is literally generating peace. He's generating peace. (laughs) How many of you have ever had Satan try to work on you? Yeah. Satan likes to destroy relationships. He wants to destroy your marriages. He wants to destroy your relationship with your your kids or your parents. He wants to destroy your finances. Have you ever felt like Satan's been involved in your finances? Satan Satan tries to take the peace out of our our careers. You know what? One of these days, the God of peace is going to crush Satan. Underneath your feet. Oh man, it's going to be like WWF on that day, man. Taking him down. I am looking forward to that day when the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath our feet. Listen guys, this has been an awesome, awesome series that we have gone through. And I believe it all stems from 116. I am not ashamed of the Gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It is the power. And I believe that power flows throughout this whole letter. In chapter 1, we literally see the power of the Gospel. In chapter 2, we see the power of God's kindness that leads to repentance. In chapter 3, it's the power of God's faithfulness. In in chapter 4, it's the power of our faith. In chapter 5, it's the power to conquer sin. In chapter 6, it is the power to take us from death to life. In chapter 7, it's the power to overcome all of the doo-doo in your life. And if you don't get that, go back and read chapter 7. 
In chapter 8, it's the power through the Holy Spirit to be more than conquerors. In chapter 9, it's the power of God's calling. In chapter 10, it's the power of the culmination of the law in Jesus. In chapter 11, it's the power of God's mercy on all of us. In chapter 12, it's the power of transformation. In chapter 13, it's the power of God working through authority. In chapter 14, it is the power of knowing that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In chapter 15 is the power of the God of hope. And in chapter 16, it is the power of God to crush Satan underneath your feet. The power, the power, that wonder-working power. Y'all remember that hymn from years ago? The power of the blood of Jesus. That's what I get from this letter. Listen, I know oftentimes in the, in the church we talk about being humble and being meek, and we need to do that. Those are biblical values. We need to be humble. We need to be meek. But that does not mean an absence of power. Okay, The word meek was actually a Greek word that they used to describe a horse when broken. You know, because you can't ride a wild horse. Somebody has to break it to where others can now ride it, you know, without being thrown off and stuff. Does it change the power of the horse? Does it make the horse weaker? It still has the same strength, but it describes the horse and it literally means power under control. That's a word, what the word meek means. Does it mean weak? It means power under control. So you see, when we become meek under the authority of God, we literally have the power of God under His control. Man, that's got to give you confidence, right? That's awesome. It's the power. It's the power, guys. Live this out. We have an understanding of the Gospel. Let's live out this Gospel. And let's share this Gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Let's pray. God, we love You. We thank You for this letter. We thank You for this journey that we've gone on over the, the past eight weeks as You have taken us through this letter, dear Father, to help us understand the Gospel, to help us to live the Gospel, and now to help us to share that Gospel. <laughs> God, I pray that you help us to take this to heart. It's in Jesus' precious and powerful name that we pray. Amen.